Hey, welcome to Live Church. I'm Steve Gambill, and I'm so glad that we have this time together today. The truth is, God wants to do great things in your life, greater than you can even imagine. So, as we join with our worship team at Live Church and then go on to open the word together, we pray that God would speak directly to your circumstances, directly to your heart, and remind you of how much He loves you. Come on, let's get started.
thank you for the amazing privilege it is to gather together as your people. God, help your word come alive to each one of us. Lord, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your power. And thank you for your plan for all of us. All right. Amen. Let's get started. So good. Well, I want to start with this in Hebrews chapter 2. I want to start because I want to, God put this on my heart about three months ago to kick off this new series, Anchored as a Church. So if you've got a Bible, just turn with me to Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1, and we're going to get started. Got your Bibles ready? Got your iPads open, your iPhones open? You got everything ready? Okay, here we go. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1 says this. We must pay the most careful attention... Therefore, to what we have heard, so that what we hear, we do not drift away. That word drift is what I want to focus on as we get this started. It's an interesting concept to think about the writer of Hebrews choosing this word about drifting. Drifting is what happens to all of us if we don't understand that the times that we live in the opinions of people, the philosophical age, the, the different ethical challenges that we face in life will cause us to be carried along with the tide of whatever the popular opinion is of the moment. And that was what was happening to the Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 2. You see, their background is that they were coming out of Judaism and they were taught that religious rituals and the different things that they had to spend time and attention to qualified them to come into the presence of God. They had an elaborate sacrificial system where they had to sacrifice a lamb just to come into the presence of God. And although they'd experienced salvation in Jesus and they'd been saved by God's grace, now they were getting carried away by the opinions of people around them and they were forgetting that what they received by grace, they needed to outwork by grace. Why am I talking about that? Because it's so easy to get into the mindset that we do church on Sunday without understanding that we have an incredible plan and purpose for our lives from Jesus. It's not about just coming on a Sunday. It's about changing people's Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays. It's about experiencing God right through the week. And the, the Jews forgot that. The early Christians here in Hebrews, they forgot that. And they were carried along with all of these different things. Now, I get it. Sometimes when we hear about how good God is, it sounds a little bit like it's too good to be true. It's too good to be true when we, when we hear about how God's goodness and his mercy, and we sang it earlier in the worship, his mercy triumphs over judgment. And we, we hear about this so often. What's happening is that if we don't understand this with our heart, our mind won't be able to process what our spirit is trying to work through us. And so we've got to understand that, that God's goodness 
is so powerful that he loves us despite our faults, despite our weaknesses, despite your inconsistencies, despite our past mistakes and our past failures. And even if we've experienced difficult things in life, maybe you've had a failed relationship or a failed marriage or, or even you had different things happen to you that haven't, life hasn't turned out like you've wanted it to turn out to. Well, that, it doesn't change the fact that God has saved you by his grace. And it's like, it's like we, we get into this mindset, if we're not careful, we'll drift away and we'll look at our feelings and our experiences and what our life is like and we'll be able to approach God's word in a different way. And so, so I have a burden to get this in our spirits and I'm gonna do this by, over these next couple of weeks, I'm gonna be nudging you and I'm gonna be provoking you and I'm gonna be stirring you up so that you understand that, that you have not gotten to where you are this morning by your own efforts. You have not gotten where you are today by working hard and by working at it. No, that's a drift. That's a cultural drift. No, I wanna help you shift your mindset, not drift. I wanna help you shift into understanding that sometimes when we hear about God's favor, that sounds too good, too good to be true sometimes. You know, we hear, we hear statements like, his anger lasts a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Sometimes we think that his favor lasts a moment and his anger lasts a lifetime. Some of us are praying about things, asking God to forgive us from things that God forgave us about the day we got saved. And, and we're, we're processing it and we're like, we're trying to work it out and yet, and yet the, the moment Jesus forgave you, you haven't yet forgiven yourself because, because it's like too good to be true, God's favor. But the word of God is true. His favor lasts a lifetime. Now let's just carry on with this mindset because the first thing I want to help you understand is this, that the unanchored soul will drift. Can we establish that? The unanchored soul will drift. I'm, you're gonna love my artistic work today. Maybe you didn't know this, but I'm a bit of an artist. Emphasis on the tiny bit of an artist. And uh, I'm gonna help, because we use this word, an unanchored soul will drift. We use this, this concept about drifting, and, and I'm gonna draw this for you. This is like a giant game of Pictionary right here. And you can see, can you all see that that is can you see this over here? That is a boat. You want me on your Pictionary teams, right? Very good, just call it out, right? Now, you're gonna see that the wind, that the pressure of the time is gonna hit your sail and carry you along, whatever the popular opinion is, and the currents of the water, the little water signs, see I'm good at Pictionary, aren't you? Will cause a drift. And I experienced this just a couple of weeks ago. I had this day off and we wanted to do something that I hadn't done before with my children and some of our close friends. We decided that we were gonna go to a lake and we were get, gonna get on this, like a surfboard, it's called a YOLO board. It's, just, it's like a long board. You just jump on it, there's no sail, there's no engine, there's no mo motor at all, and you get a paddle. And the idea is that you just stand on this board and you just paddle yourself. When I was there with my 12-year-old 12, my 12 and my 15-year-old daughter and some friends, and we all got on these boards and we start, 
we start paddling and no longer, I mean, the moment we got the boards in the water, at the second we got them in the water, a storm rolled in. I mean, this is not the way it's supposed to be, right? It's this calm, beautiful lake. And it's supposed to be really peaceful. And you can just kind of go about two or three miles an hour and just kind of float and enjoy the day. And soon we get all the kids in the water and everybody's balancing and they're like doing this. And, and, and the storm came up. And the wind began to drive and the rain began to fall. And suddenly what was a calm moment became a moment of stress as I'm thinking, my children are going to drown right now. Because the water got so strong and the current got so strong that it blew everyone off the lake into the reeds and to the rocks. And it was, it was forcing them to get into a position. Why? Because drift happens. And our soul is like that. If we don't find anchor points in life, then we're just going to drift along. And, and what saved the day was when my children literally got down on their knees, the only way to get out from the reeds. Get down on your knees on the board so you can get your lower center of gravity and paddle like your life dependent on it. Some of us are living there right now. And the best thing you can do is get on your knees and pray and find God's strength and power right in your moment of weakness. Doesn't matter how strong you feel on a Sunday, when you feel weak on a Monday, it's knowing that you can get on your knees and you can pray and you can find that, that source of God. Why? Because we live in a windy world. A windy world full of assumptions and doubts and worry and negative experiences and all kinds of things that affect us. And those things will cause us to drift. Sometimes we drift on a Monday even when somebody shows us their brand new iPhone X. And you still get your iPhone 4, or 5, or 6. Well, don't worry. There's another iPhone coming out in another couple of weeks. And there'll always be something new coming on the horizon. It's like, it's like those things, they affect everything that we do. So I'm going to stay in this because I want to help the people of God today to get out of disappointment. To not be led into the waters of worry and fear and insecurity and help you find that source of strength. So let's stay in Hebrews and I'm going to anchor what we're going to be focusing on literally on this thought in Hebrews chapter 6 verse 19. We have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. Who is your hope? You see, your hope's not just in what you do or what you say, or what you believe. No, your hope when it becomes an anchor is in the risen, resurrected Jesus. He's alive, our anchor is alive. Our anchor has the capacity and power to help us wherever we are. So if I just draw an anchor, an anchor, an anchor here. I'll draw this anchor. I'm so good at drawing, I'm gonna amaze you one more time by my talent here. I just feel like I need to show this side of the room now, my, my, my talent as I draw this anchor. I've been, I've been thinking about this anchor for so long. Look at that anchor, that's amazing. You're all gonna want me on your Pictionary team, right? Not. That anchor will stabilize your life. If you, just, if you cut this anchor, you're gonna be drifting from situation to situation, from year to year, marriage to marriage, from church to church even, 
all kinds of different situations in life. But when you understand that Jesus can help you right here, right now, today, in this place, your anchor becomes secure. You don't have to think, oh, I need to move to another city or I need to start again with a fresh family or I need to give up on the, some of the situations in my workplace that I'm facing. No, no, don't change anything. Don't look at any situation the same. Focus on your anchor point. Who is your anchor? Focus first here and let your life stabilize and everything else will shift. That's why I'm saying this as my second point that hope is the anchor for our soul. That, that's what hope is. What is hope? Hope is an ex expectation of good. That's what, that's what it is. Our expectations, they set the limits of our life. And if you expect little, you'll receive little. If you, if, you, if you wake up in the morning and you expect that you'll have a bad day, then you probably will have a bad day. If you expect that your day will be the same as your yesterday, then your expectations will probably come true. But what if you expect from the moment you wake up, good things to happen? What if you expect that from your anchor point, because God is good, everything else shifts from this place? If you expect God to help you, he will help you. If you expect that all things are working out for your good, they will work together for your good. That's why the enemy works so hard to destroy our anchor points. Because the anchor, you see the enemy, he's not as much as concerned about what's going on up here. He knows that if he can cut this anchor off, you'll drift for the rest of your life. And so you gotta focus on understanding what anchors your soul. The psalmist, understood this all through the book of Psalms. Psalm 25 verse seven says that Lord, for Lord, you are good. David wrote in Psalm 23 verse six, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. I love that. That means that goodness is your stalker. Think about that. Goodness literally stalks you, follows after you. That's, that's goodness. That's who God is that stalker mindset. And, and, and when you get that in your picture, you realize that when Jesus talked about this, he said, he said, think about this. He said that a good father knows how to give good gifts to your children. How much more does your father in heaven wanna give us good things? I mean, that, that's, that's what the Bible talks about. So what I wanna challenge you in is this, drop your anchor in hope this morning. Drop your anchor in who Jesus said you are. Drop your anchor in that. Drop your anchor in that truth. And you might be thinking, oh, that's too good to be true. That's over the top expectation. I don't think it is. I think the Bible teaches that when we're anchored, we're still gonna face challenges. We're still gonna face things. But what changes is this. My point number three is this, that you can choose hope in every situation. Choose hope in every situation and in every circumstance. Choose hope. Choose hope. Choose hope. Are you choosing hope? Nudge the person next to you and say, are you choosing hope? Because this is how it affects our daily life. See, see one of the things that has really helped me is Psalm 45. Psalm 43 verse 5 says this. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed? within me. 
See, here we have this, these two things going on. We've got a disturbed soul, and then David speaks to his soul and says, put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him. See, I think some people wonder, how can you put hope in God when difficult things are happening to me? How can you put hope in God when challenges happen? See, I remember watching my parents who were married 32 years, and then they got divorced after 32 years of marriage. And for many years of their married life, they were very unhappy. And I didn't really understand marriage until I got married. I knew what it was like to be a son, but I didn't understand what it was like to be a husband. But when I got married, in my early years, especially in my early years of marriage, I had to struggle with expectation. And I didn't realize it, but I thought my life in my marriage, even though I loved Charlotte and uh, we loved each other so much, I had this fear that my life would turn out like my mom and dad. That I, would, that I would end up drifting and that eventually in my marriage, I would become in, in, into a loveless relationship. Not maybe the first year or second year, but eventually that would happen. I realized that was an irrational fear that was floating below my waterline. I didn't understand it was there until I woke up and I just expected things to go wrong early in my marriage. I expected that we would have an argument. I expected that we'd have a fight. And so the littlest disagreement, I thought, see, I was expecting right. See, I knew it. Well, I didn't want to realize it. I'd been exposed for, 30, for many, many years, growing up in an environment with bitterness and with envy and with a lot of drift. And I realized I needed to anchor my soul. I needed to anchor my soul not in my emotions, not in what I started out thinking about my marriage. I, I, I changed my expectation of my marriage. And now we've been married 23 years. We are stronger than we've ever been in our marriage. But I wanted to go back to that place and talk about how you change your expectations. You're in that place and you think, oh, these things happen and the disagreements happen and the little fights and the grumbles and the, the, dis, the little things of life happen. You go, that's when you need to seize your emotions and say, emotions, I am not anchored in you. Past experiences, I am not anchored in my parents' relationship. My soul is anchored in Jesus. And because my soul is anchored in Jesus, I'm expecting great things to come. And now I look at my children and I ask, I hope you understand that mom and dad love each other and are closer together because we have both decided to make Jesus our anchor. I hope you understand that, teenagers, in our, in our house. And as our university students begin to come back for this next term, I hope they understand that anchoring not in sex before marriage, not, anchoring not in just, you know, playing the field, as they call it, but anchoring even now, early on, in Jesus will change your future. That you'll start off with a great marriage, not a bad one. Maybe you've been married five years, 10 years, 15 years, and you feel like you're going through the motions. Well, you can restore intimacy and you can restore trust when you get this anchor sorted out. Which truth are you anchored in? Which truth are you, where's your anchor point? 
Because you can live here, life is hard. Yeah, I'm not disagreeing with you. Life can be hard. It can be tough. And you can anchor here. And there's nothing I can say. There's no worship song that we can sing. There's no prayer that we can pray that will shift your anchor point because you've been anchored here for years, some of you. Life is hard. Well, I just want to say, if you want a different outcome, check your anchor source. It's time to shift from one channel and flip over to the other channel. Flip from putting your anchor on, life is hard. Let's anchor in, God is good. Hey, thank you so much for watching. We pray to God that you've been impacted by how great God's word is, by how great God's plan is for your life. But I do wanna say, if you need prayer for anything, then drop us a line, drop us an email. We would love to hear from you so that we can pray for you and just continue on this journey of building life together. Have a great week, month, year ahead.